There are over 10,000 zoos worldwide, housing millions of animals. Rain or shine, someone has to take care of them, and that's where the zookeepers come in. Our guest today is Dan Rumsey, a zookeeper working at the Australian Reptile Park. He is well known in the tight-knit Aussie community of zookeepers and has worked in the field for over a decade. While zookeepers in Australia frequently start out through volunteering, like Dan, requirements vary based on the country. Here in the United States, you typically need a degree in zoology, marine biology, or another animal-related degree to enter the field. Entry-level salary ranges can vary wildly, from an average of about $25,000 a year in the United States to an average of about $50,000 a year in Australia, according to Payscale.com. So we're here with uh, Zookeeper Dan. He works for um, the Australian Reptile Park in Summersby, New South Wales, Australia. Um, so Dan, you were saying you reopened today. Um, how's that going? Or sorry, you reopened this week. How, how's it going? Yeah, so uh, approximately nine weeks we were closed. Uh, it was a pretty extensive period. Keepers obviously stayed on site because we've still got thousands of animals to look after. Uh, and we've just reopened in the last week. So it's very interesting. Things are a little bit different to, our, I guess, the normal product that we can, we can deliver. And we're making sure that people abide by the social distancing guidelines that we have here in Australia. But you know what? I love seeing people come back because the amount of people, particularly our annual pass holders that were so excited to see the animals I haven't seen for a few months. And um, I guess wildlife animals provide such a good experience for people and definitely put smiles on kids' faces. So to bring that back to people is great. And uh, hopefully we head on that upwards and up direction and we keep staying open for an extended period. Like I, I think as long as we do the right thing and, and, and everyone does try as much as they can to follow the social distancing practices, then we should be okay. Uh, we've got a big area, we've got lots of space and uh, what a great way to spend a day uh, at the park. Right. And um, so I, I'm sure it's it's great for the people coming in. And, and so how is it for the animals? I, I know with reptiles, it's kind of hard to, at least for me, it's hard to see their emotions sometimes. But are they do they seem happier with people coming back? Look, there'll be some animals that are, are going to be very excited because when the punters, the visitors come back, they will obviously be able to feed some of those animals. But look, to be honest, I don't really think the animals would have noticed it too much outside of the fact that they have a lot more space. Um, animal behavior does change and, and, and there's been studies of this to see the way animals behave when people are in and out of the park. So it definitely does change their behavior. Whether they've missed people, I'm not sure we'd go that far, but I definitely think for the reptiles, <laughs> I, that probably won't be much of a difference to them. Uh, but sure. maybe some of the mammals that are used to being in the open park area uh, where mm -hmm. guests can feed them, like kangaroos and emus, they're probably the animals the most that would have noticed the change in people walking through. Because at the end of the day, there's still plenty of keepers on site. There was still plenty of I guess so, uh, yeah. volunteers coming in. So there was still plenty of people on site keeping the park running. So, yeah. That's cool. Um, so... Uh, and that that's that's one of those things that's so interesting about about animals and i i wanted to know your thoughts on it is is with mammals you know it, it you just see that they're more like humans you know they have emotions and they think you can tell that and with reptiles it's a it's a little different so do you find it difficult to you know to interact with reptiles on a regular basis to like maybe less rewarding the mammals or am i um on the wrong track there I, I definitely so I'm a reptile keeper. That's that's obviously my passion and and that's my my specialty, I guess you would say. And that's kind of really I, I have worked with 
other taxa before. I've worked with mammals. I've worked with birds, uh, and there certainly is a different relationship there. And 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 there'll be reptile people that will tell you it's it's not the case. But I'm I strongly believe there's there's a lot more going on inside of a mammal's brain generally, and that we're just talking about cognitive skills in particular. Um, and and it's like. You can't compare a snake at the park to my German Shepherd that I have at home. It's a completely different relationship. Uh, I think with reptiles and what we try and provide reptiles is obviously mainly about keeping them healthy, making sure their husbandry spot on. Uh, but yeah, there's not exactly a bond. The One of the only reptiles I would say that really does buck that trend would be our Komodo dragons. And really? they're by far the most intelligent reptiles um, that I've ever worked with and I've ever experienced being around. I, I do think you have a bit of a bond with them that the keepers that work, and I'm one of those, and I'm probably one of the main keepers that works with the Komodo dragons. When they, they come over to you, they, they don't mind a little scratch, you know, they'll climb up onto your lap. And I, that is really kind of rare the reptile world so okay. komodo dragons our galapagos tortoises they're, they're, they're a fairly interactive creature as well but mm -hmm. in general when you're talking about something like a bearded dragon or or maybe a, a corn snake or a, an, even an eastern brown snake I, I don't think you can form anywhere near the bond that you might be able to form with something like a, a hand-raised wombat but again it's such a completely different thing. It's like hand raising, if you're trying to raise a snake from when it hatches right throughout its first year of its life, is very different to trying to raise a wombat through the first year of its life. One is extremely intensive, um, whereas the other one is um, obviously, it's kind of just you feed it and then you put it back to its enclosure and that's it. Right. Uh, whereas a wombat will almost treat you like mum, you know, to follow you around, it'll keep you mm -hmm. awake all night, you've got to feed it three times during the night, all those kind of things. So yeah, there oh. definitely is differences between working with mammals and reptiles not to talk down reptiles I, reptiles are like what i want to work with for the rest of my life um but it is a bit of a different relationship right so what what drove you to um to work with reptiles over over mammals or another an, another um family of animal well this probably go back right to when i was little uh my dad caught a blue tongue skink um when, you're not meant to do this but i mean he, he brought a blue tongue skink home for me uh when i was very very young <laughs> and cool. i kept that blue tongue for a very very long time uh, at the peak of my young, you know, teenage years, I probably had about 30 different snakes at home. Uh, so oh, reptiles wow. were kind of in my blood. And then when I left school after traveling a little bit, I just thought, you know what, I, I, why not work with reptiles as a profession? And, and it was something that I just never, I always thought wasn't real. Like I thought zookeeping was almost like a, you know, it was like a myth. And then I started doing it. And I just immediately realized that, wow, this is what I'll do for the rest of my life. And I, I, I still cool. remember my first volunteer day and it was at Taronga Zoo in Sydney, a very famous zoo, of course. And mm -hmm. I left that zoo and I, I said to my parents, this is after my first day volunteering, I said, this is what I'll do forever, no doubt about it. I was just That's so cool. <laughs> that wrapped of how good, I couldn't believe how good it was. Um, and it was almost like, I wish... You know, I wish I'd started a bit younger, but in saying that, I got so many other life experiences out of that time, out of high school, um, that if I jumped straight into zookeeping, I might not have done because zookeeping animals have really consumed my life and there isn't much outside of that um, that gets any of my attention because I just it, it just takes up so much of me. Yeah. So you said you started volunteering. Was there any kind of like certificates or formal education required to start out as a volunteer? Not as a volunteer. Uh, in Australia, it is a little bit different um, to in the States where you basically need a Bachelor of Science over there. And I know it's very extensive, the prerequisite training for zookeeping in, in, in America. In Australia, it's always been a little bit different um, because practical skills have always been at the forefront of being 
a really good zookeeper. And I, I do think that is changing a little bit. The theory side, I feel, um, is something can be missed at times. And you really want a combination of both. You want someone who's very much across the theory, but also extremely practical. And I've always said the same saying is, no piece of paper can teach you how to handle a brown snake that's hot. You know, it's it's you can't be taught that. It's just something that comes naturally, and 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 you can watch people do it, but until you do it yourself, it's just a very practical based skill. Being able to read animal behaviour um, and, and their movements, or or noticing if there's something wrong with an individual animal, but. So in Australia, you can go to university, of course, and do a zoology degree or a Bachelor of Science of some, of some sort, or the prerequisite course for zookeeping is actually a certificate course that you can do through TAFE, which takes about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite an extensive course. It really is just themed on zookeeping. That's what the course is designed for. Uh, so if you do it and then you do volunteering at the same time, you should really push yourself forward in terms of getting a job. A lot of people will say, it's really hard getting zoo jobs. I don't think it is. I think it's really hard to have the right attitude for zoo jobs, if you, if, if you get what I mean by that. If you're committed right. and, you, and you put in and you, and you try and you push for it and you're, you're basically competing against every other person that turns up that day, and it's all the little things, being observant, interacting with people, just um, really being passionate about wildlife. Like we, we sometimes have people that come to the park, they want to volunteer or they want to work with reptiles. They've never kept a reptile before. They've never bothered to see one in the wild. And you can just see they don't have that same passion and drive. So yeah. it's hard for someone like me who has that and work with people that have that for when people come through and you've got to almost teach them from scratch. And it's hard to teach someone to be passionate about something if it's not already ingrained in them. Whereas some mm-hmm. people, like you, the moment you meet them, you just know they've just got it and they're going to make it. But mm. when people say it's really difficult to get zookeeping jobs, if you have the right attitude and you really do strive, you will get a job because jobs come up far more regularly um, than than most people would expect. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's such a low-paying industry um, a lot of zookeepers don't make it past 30. And when I say make it past 30, I mean they get to 30 years old and they realize they can't survive off $700 a week anymore and they want to go do wow. something else, um, which is a real shame. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and that's that's one of the things we wanted to talk to you about is maybe like some of the downsides of zookeeping. Or is there, in your day-to-day, is there something that you dread doing? Is, is there like a cage you don't want to clean or some, you know, poop you don't want to pick up or something? <laughs> That's every day. Now, the, <laughs> to, to be honest, one of the hardest things, and, and this is something I had to learn a long time ago, is when you work with animals that are alive, you're going to work with animals that die. And it, there's nothing you can do about it. I, I watched an interview of a friend of mine talking about this for Taronga, about a, a giraffe, an old giraffe that passed away. And it just reminded me of that feeling of, I remember when animals would and I still it still hurts me I still you talk I'm a pretty sensitive guy as it is um and the park know that so when something goes wrong especially if you think it's something that you have done or you could have done better for that animal or that individual that's really hard and that's something that I've I've never really gotten good at I guess is a terrible English there but it's something I've never really uh, you know it's never really grown on me the fact that animals will die and it's something that's hard to do the younger guys too because you see them coming through and they're so passionate and they just want everything to be happy and healthy and unfortunately it's not always going to be the case animals get old it's no different to your dog at home you would wish that your dog could live alongside you forever but unfortunately it's not reality and that's the same for working in zoos and you know a friend of mine that worked at another zoo 
um, and because it's a nice personal story. Uh, I know she left the industry for that fact. She just couldn't handle with candle the fact that animals would die. She'd, she'd been through it for such a long time and the ups and downs of raising an animal, getting it through six months and then it dying and just that, that almost breakdown from that moment. So mm, it's really sad. And I think another thing that probably affects zookeepers too is time. You invest so much of your own time. It's hard for people in the industry probably to have really solid relationships, particularly with people outside of the industry because they just don't get it. Okay. Why do you go in and work on your day off? Why did you stay back every day this week? Or why do you mm. keep bringing animals home every single day? So there is a real time. <laughs> There's this time thing and, uh, and, and people just, yeah, sometimes they don't get it. Like uh, just a funny story. I remember I was dating a girl for a fairly short period of time. She thought it was amazing that I had a wombat and she just thought it was so cool and Anyway, I had the wombat home and it was the first night she'd stayed over with the wombat. And after wombat <laughs> kept her up all night, she said to me the next day, please don't bring that wombat home again. She just... Oh, <laughs> oh no. So she, an ex-girlfriend, I will say, very quickly. It's, me, and the, it's me or the wombat. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and I mean, I, I guess it sounds like it's something that you've just got to, you've just got to know you want to do it. And it like, there's no, there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. Is, is that correct? So it's like, you won't, if you go 50%, you, you won't make it. I don't, I don't yeah. think so anyway. It's not mm. the kind of job that you can just fluff through and, and, um, things won't be handed on a platter to you because everyone that's come before you has really worked hard. My, my team's quite small. Um, and they're just passionate driven, dudes that you can just tell like they'll be in the industry forever and you can pick it and I, I usually feel that when I can meet someone and have a chat with them and I know you can see it almost straight away and what people don't realize is oh, I remember a, a tape teacher told me this once very many years ago it's in the industry it's not it's not what you know it's who knows you or, 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 or and, and it's so true it's such a small industry in terms mm. of career pathways because what generally happens is they might, let's say a job opens up in a reptile apartment at a zoo in Western Australia, the opposite side of the country. It's almost guaranteed that even if I'm not down as a reference, if that person at some point has worked in a zoo that I worked at, they're still going to call me and ask me if this person's okay. Okay. Wow. Word of mouth is massive. And a really good rap from me can get you a job. And, and I'm sure there's a number of zoos around Australia, keepers around Australia that will say that I contributed to them getting their first job. There's no doubt about it because wow. <laughs> word of mouth and if you've, you know, and, and knowing that every reptile keeper in the country, we're all quite close. We all go on trips together and we all uh, go on conferences together. We all talk. We've, I've got a an Instagram, uh, sorry, a Facebook group where nearly every single head reptile keeper is in that group. So we're all talking constantly. <laughs> wow. So to get a job as a reptile keeper, like you probably want to be, you know, on our side and you can do that by just being, just loving it, you know, get out there, see wildlife, um, yeah. keep, keep a few animals at home and um, be, you know, read every day. I still try and read almost every day. Like, I oh, know I don't do it every day. I, I do try, but I still try and read some new reptile text almost every day because, there's over 10,000 species of reptile in the world. I certainly don't know every single one. Um, so I've still got plenty to learn. So um, it, is that something that's unique to Australia, that, that kind of um, that microcosm of, I guess maybe that's the wrong word, but, you know, the smallness of the industry? Or is that something that people can expect in, in most zoos around the world? 
look, Australia is a very small country in terms of population. Um, mm -hmm. So you're obviously not going to have anywhere near the amounts of zoos or zoological institutions in this country as you would in other in other in other countries in particular. Um, so somewhere like the states where there's a lot more AZA institutions than there would be czar institutions, which is the uh, Australian version of that. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, if but in saying that, they do seem to make things quite difficult for for you know, American students to get through the pathways into zoos. So I always think it will be difficult. Um, there's plenty of zoos in, in Europe, but as long as you do your study and you get yourself... When I talk about volunteering, people don't realise that... Um, I try and tell my guys this, every single day that you volunteer is a job interview. Every single day that you came come in, it's your day to impress, it's your day to shine. And when I was a volunteer uh, at another place, uh, if, and you ask the guys at Taronga or when I was when I, down to Symbio, another zoo down south, I was waiting at the gate for the boss to open the gate every morning. If do you know what I mean? Like I was, I was there yeah. wow. waiting <laughs> there in the cold because as soon as he opened the gate, I wanted to be first one through. Bosses, do, people in management do not forget that. They will remember that. When you come up for the next job, they're like, you know what? You are the f always the first person here. You're never late. You're you're reliable. You turn up every week. You work hard, and they're all the things that are really important to, to management. Because if you're if you're dedicated in those early stages, there's a very good chance you're going to carry on those good habits. And um, mm -hmm. it's 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 really easy. To, oh, sorry, it's not easy. You can teach someone animal stuff over an extended period of time. It's really hard to teach the right attitude to someone if they don't have it. Um, and it, it, it's you can't retrain their brain that much. And you'll watch some people. It's I always say this. It's not really something I say to volunteers too much. But you've got your people that arrive five minutes to seven, and then you've got your people that arrive five minutes after seven. And those mm. people never tend to change too much. And usually, it's the ones that are there five to seven is the ones that you're looking for for the job. Yeah, there's a saying in the American military. It's like if you're not 15 minutes early, you're you're late. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd always it rather sounds be. Like that um, applies. I'd rather be very early than even the small, t little bit late. So um, I kind of want to change um, tracks here, but you know, there are some people, especially with the you know the explosion of popularity and in, in that uh, Netflix show Tiger King. There are some people that that speak out against zoos, and and I think it's people that don't really understand the difference between um, zoos that exist for conservation and zoos that exist for profit. Um, what would you say to somebody who who loves animals and wants to work with them, but maybe uh, has some trepidation um, because of their because of um, the reputation of of some zoos? Look, it's it, this is such a tough topic because even like you know my name on instagram and people call me zookeeper dan so i'm obviously very passionate about zoos um but i don't always think zoos do uh as good as they should there's probably some institutions that shouldn't if they're not operating at the highest possible standards they probably shouldn't be open um and it can be very very difficult at times when you know i remember a, 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 one of my best friends posted a picture of a of a a, a gorilla um, in an enclosure at an American facility. I can't remember exactly which one. And he said, oh, you know, I can't believe this still happens. And I messaged him and said, oh, yeah, it's, you know, no, you know that, I work in that industry, you know, that, that's kind of heartbreaking if, if you think that way. Um, and, and so you're always going to compete with that. For people coming through and they're not sure, if you're working at a facility and you can hold your hand on your heart that delivers incredibly good, whether it's education, 
education or conservation uh, outcomes. So if you look at the Reptile Park and what we do with Ozark, Ozark is an incredible, it's our sister organization, not for profit, mm-hmm. does incredible work in the Barrington Tops. And there's a lot of pro- private facilities that don't do those kind of things. And you want to be giving back because it's not 50 years ago. They're not Zoos aren't concrete jungles anymore. Uh, some of the zoos around the world and some of the work they've done with threatened endangered species really is incredible and without people coming through the gates and enjoying the park itself you can't do that at the end of the day conservation comes back to money it's just like like everything else in the world you need to be running at a profit if you're a private institution like like reptile park is you need to be making money and then if you do make money you can do conservation work it really is that simple i think the most important thing moving forward is that we do maintain the highest possible standards so we have to make sure that we are absolute leaders in the way we look and care for the animals. And if you just look at something like enrichment, you would have heard that term many times, particularly now, and the amount of time that goes into enrichment, into training, into encouraging naturalistic behaviours. It's, it's, zoos have come such a long way. And I mm-hmm. think in general, most people are very supportive of, of, of zoos. But of course, you're going to encounter those who still think every animal needs to be in the wild. Hey, if I had it my way, every single species would be out in the wild and thriving. But unfortunately, a lot of that wild habitat is gone. Um, it's not returning anytime soon. It's kind of zoo's jobs to keep those species going in that, in that interim period or, or re-establishing populations or keeping that animal uh, still on this planet. So zoos play a very important role they will for a very very long time i like to think that as long as we're doing we're absolute best then what 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 more could we do we're we're needed we're going to save like i just think of something like taronga zoo and the work they've done with the corroboree frog i'm not sure if you've heard that frog species before but they're critically endangered without taronga there's no doubt in my mind they would already be extinct and it's not Mm -hmm. just corroboree frogs if you go to perth zoo the amazing work they've done with the Western Swamp Turtle. And the list is extensive, um, and not just here in Australia, but right around the world. But I definitely do think if you have trepidations about your feelings towards zoos, but it's an industry you're thinking about getting into, um, probably do your research. Look at institutions that do, if you're, if you're, if conservation's your thing, find institutions that do do amazing conservation work. And there's plenty in the States, Europe, and all parts of the world that do do that. And that's kind of where I would invest your time in. The, the unfortunate probably part of that is, is when you're starting out as an entry-level keeper, you're probably going to have to start in smaller private parks. It's, it's kind of how it is. Now, a lot yeah. of these parks don't have a really large bank, obviously. Um, and But at the same time, you know, if that's a stepping stone for you to doing great things, then whilst you're there, just try and make that place the best possible place it can be. Um, and so, and, you know, you talked a little bit about the conservation that w- that's been done and um, specifically in Australian zoos. Um, I wanted to ask you just out of curiosity, um, how, how destructive were the recent wildfires? You know, that was international news. We heard about it. I mean, we talked about it all day here in America. Um, like, so how, how, how destructive were those and how critical are the zoos and, like limiting the damage or, or helping to recover from it. Yeah, it, it, the, the fires were horrific. Um, and, you know, first and foremost, lives were lost. And, 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 and that always goes first. You know, that was to hear mm-hmm. some of those stories, of you know, particularly in the firefighters, you know, risking their lives to save the homes of complete strangers. are really incredible. And, and kudos mm-hmm. to them, of course. But um, the fires were nothing Australia had experienced in a very, very long time. 
and obviously it went through a part of a, a the part of the country which is so dense in wildlife of what's left because we've already cleared so much, particularly in eastern Australia for homes. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some great national parks, and the national parks do a great job in in, in maintaining those areas, but. Those fires were unprecedented, and it's really in the early stages of, of recovery of certain species. And you would have seen the the images of koalas, and like to think koalas are already down to about let's just say eighty thousand or something like that. Like the numbers are the, depending who you ask, or depending what number you'll get. Some people say forty thousand, other people say one hundred fifty thousand, but let's mm-hmm. just say eighty thousand for good measure. Uh, they populate eastern Australia. That's the only place they've got left. They've already lost so much of their habitat already and then to see wildfires go through there and burn the rest. The recovery, you know what, fires fires does breed new life and everyone knows that. But these fires were just ruthless and they wiped out some really pristine habitat, particularly koala Mm -hmm. habitat. Now, at the park, we mainly dealt with animals that were dealing with the drought. So I'm not sure if you know much about the drought and what we're experiencing, but it was drought onto fires. So it was a... Okay. The, the drought was really bad too. You know, we had we were going to areas where platypus were living in little mud wallows, like they were. We were finding dead platypus. We were finding dead turtles, oh. and all the other aquatic lifestyle was gone. So sad. So we worked really hard in terms of moving animals to deeper water, um, mm-hmm. keeping animals at the park for an extended period before being released back into the wild. Uh, we didn't do too much with the fire in terms of fire recovery for wildlife but what we did mm-hmm. do is a few fundraisers which were good and then we and we distributed that money to different wildlife organizations um the rural fire service uh, we gave a donation to them as well a lot of what we've done recently was focused on animal suffering through the drought period but moving forward what we're doing as well Ozark in particular is looking to fireproof areas fireproof habitat uh, maintaining areas better uh, so that fires don't ravage through again. Now, really hoping this year with the predicted rainfall in spring that we won't experience what we went through over that summer period because mm-hmm. the fires were only eight kilometers from my work. They, 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 you know, they were right wow. next door. The fires did That's an amazing terrifying. job and they held the fire at, at this particular point. If it wasn't for the fires, there's a very good chance the fire would have, and I'm not talking about a raging treetop fire ripping through here, but we would have been dealing with spot fires quite regularly. So thank you, of course, to the fire, the fires. They did an incredible job, but you know, the fires were right next door. You know, other friends at other zoos like Mogo Zoo, I'm not sure if you saw that, they were ringed by fire. They had fire at every border of their zoo. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, so you've got giraffe and you've got rhino and all these other animals and then fire in the background. So, and they were very, very lucky. And, uh, they, you know, the keepers were up all night fighting fires, protecting their animals. So, um, yeah, it was a really uh, tough time. And then obviously, you know, we you experience that and then you walk into something like COVID as well, which yeah. shut, shut us all down. Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be, it's got to be crazy. And, you know, watching that from here um, and, and just being so sad and also feeling like, you know, like wishing that I could help and, and feeling helpless. It, it was it was amazing to see like the Austra- uh, the the unity of, of the Australian people. It, it was really inspiring. Um, yeah. So it's, it's one thing cool. we're good at. We, we do come together pretty well sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and now I guess on a on a more lighthearted note, I'm. I'm you know, it's something I'm just personally curious about. Um, everyone in the U.S. Uh, thinks about Australian wildlife at, like, you know, it's exotic. It's crazy. Like, wow, you have, you know, platypi and, and all these different animals and, and koalas and kangaroos. Do you think about 
um, wildlife here in the States as exotic? Like, is a raccoon, like, weird to you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I, I love the wildlife of America. You've got rattlesnakes. That's the ultimate snake to to any reptile person. They are just... (laughs) I I traveled through the States... um, almost two years ago now wow these are going quick and i drove mm. from uh, basically from california to florida uh, oh wow and, yeah i was incredible and, and you did and the tour people just were so good to us we just got treated so well the whole time looking for mm-hmm. looking for snakes alligators and all the rest so I, i'm upset i'm a little bit obsessed with american herps or, or american reptiles in particular and uh, I can't wait to get back. Obviously, it's probably going to be a little while before I can do that. But, <laughs> right. But it's like when you go to any country, like, it's, it's funny. We, we've got um, you're something like a koala. It's just so normal to me. I've just always known koalas, you know. And yeah. Then, but you, you're right. You go overseas, you see a raccoon, you're like, oh, my God. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I would freak out if I saw a koala in the wild. Yeah. I, I have no idea how I would, like, survive in Australia without freaking out every time I saw one. I still do a little bit. I, I saw... Um, <laughs> I remember driving and I've seen you know, lots of crocodiles before, but I remember the first time I saw a wild American alligator. Like I've worked with alligators for, for the best part of 10 years and, mm-hmm. and then to see one in the wild, I just remember pulling up next to one in the car and being in Florida <laughs> and being like, wow, like this is cool. Uh, yeah. that's, that's awesome funny. yeah i was i was just curious about that i'm sorry if it's like a weird question <laughs> no no i like i you know I, I go we most of the guys that i work with and most of my friends we do travel quite a bit and we travel uh, and what we call we, we it's called herping so going to look for reptiles in the wild and you know mm-hmm. last year i was in sri lanka thailand the wow. year before i was in america very cool um and then when we're not doing that we're traveling australia so whether it's the northern territory or whatever up up north that's awesome you know cairns recently and you, you, you've seen, you know, the show Pokemon, it's called Collect Them All. It's kind of like, it's a little bit different. It's more, you just want to see every single one, particularly the animals that you like. So whether it's going to, like the first time I heard a rattlesnake in the wild rattle its tail and I'll just, it'll be with me forever. You can't, they're the kind of moments that I work hard for because I, I work really hard all the time so that I can have you know, one, so I can ha- support myself financially, but also two, so that I can go on those trips because once I go away and I, I see a few animals in the wild that I've worked with or I just get a better love for them. It, it just, it, I, I found a, co- a few cobras when I was last in Asia and all of a sudden I just become obsessed with cobras again. It, it's something <laughs> about that wild relationship. Um, and I, I do encourage any zookeeper or any zoo person to really follow that. Like if you, if you go out and spend the time, whether it's a whole day looking for a, ko- a koala, or sorry, a whole night looking for a koala up in the trees all day, and then you see one, you're going to like koalas more when you go back to work because you're going to have a better appreciation mm-hmm. for them. So I really encourage wildlife, wildlife spotting for people coming through in the industry. Um, the two of the guys that I work with, well, my bosses, uh, Tim Faulkner, who, who who's just an incredible man. He has seen nearly every single bird species in Australia by two or three. And um, there, there's, you know, over 750 species, wow. which is just an incredible list. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. That's amazing. Our, our, our parks director, John Weigel, has the American Bird Association record for seeing the most amount of American bird species in a year. Um, <laughs> it's bred into us. And working with people like that too, it kind of inspires you more. And me, most of me and my friends, we, we go on what we, we, these trips and we talk about animals for days on end. We go see a few in the wild. We'll go snorkeling for turtles. We'll go look for snakes out in the roads, all those kind of things. And then when you get back to work, you really it just reinvigorates you why you do it. Because at the end of the day, 
I, as I said before, I wish all animals were out in the wild and you could see them all, but if you can, most people do not want to spend a whole day walking around the bush to maybe see a koala, whereas the yeah. reptile park provides that service for people immediately. They come inside, they know exactly where the koalas are, they get that interaction with wildlife. Mm -hmm. But for people that want to work with those animals, I think getting that experience by seeing animals out in the wild makes you a better, a better keeper. Very cool. Um, okay, well, Dan, we're at 30 minutes. Um, is, there, is there anything maybe you want to say to aspiring zookeepers or... Or anything that I missed um, that we didn't really get to about your job that you wanted to, that you wanted to highlight. I think zookeeping is one of the best jobs in the world. Uh, there's not many jobs like it. You know, I go to work and people come up to me and they're wearing little zookeeper outfits and they want to be like just just oh. like you. And you can be sitting next to a I don't know a pilot, a doctor. As soon as you say you're a zookeeper, people just want to talk to you. It is an incredible, <laughs> incredible job. Um, you do have to work hard to get it, but if anyone's thinking about it, it th there's a few things that I, I think are great tips is read as much as you possibly can, get out there and see as many animals as you possibly can, start volunteering, just be keen and once you would get there and once you get that first radio set of keys and zookeeping shirt, you'll, you'll never look back. The, the only thing I wish that we could do as, a, as an industry is look at potentially paying our staff and, and, and individuals more. I think uh, the financial deficit's probably something that people have to take into consideration. So as an industry, we do need to do better in that regard, but hey, don't let that stop you. Just get into it, work hard, and, and you'll never regret it because I get some amazing experiences every single day that I go to work, and I don't know if everyone gets to say that. So when people say, you know, once you find a job you love, you, it's not working. Um, it still is working, I can promise you that, but the, the <laughs> rewards that I've had over my time are just incredible. So. Great. Thank, thank you, Dan. We, we really appreciate yeah, um, thank you, so much. you coming on here. Thank you so much. Love chatting to you. You can follow Dan on Instagram at zookeeper underscore Dan and find out more information about the Australian Reptile Park at reptilepark.com.au. If you'd like to make a donation to support Australian wildlife, visit aussiearc.org.au.